It was also really cool to see the difference in her when she was trusting God versus when she wasn't. This is a difference in how it made her feel and how she acted and how she treated me also um, with each thing that came up. Um, It really showed me what it means to place your trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding of the Proverbs 3 verse. And I knew how hard that was for her because she really believed in her own understanding. And it proved to me (laughs) that choosing to trust God is the most powerful thing anyone can ever do. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And we are super excited to bring you today's story. This is Zoe Tenner, who is 23 years old, and she is sharing her story alongside her mom. And it's so unique because this is a parenting story, but this is also a child's perspective on a parenting story. And we know y'all love those stories because they are always our most listened to. (laughs) And this is not just for moms of daughters, because I have two boys before I have a girl. (laughs) And I was immediately thinking when I heard the story of my oldest son, how I navigated life with him, (laughs) what that looks like. And this was actually shared in a live setting this summer. We did a live gathering in Vestavia where Storytellers was started. And this was a mother-daughter event. So you're going to hear some later on some girls ask questions and some moms ask questions. And so this was a really, really fun time. And I think you're going to love this story. I know. I was first of all, Zoe is 23, but she has the wisdom of someone much older (laughs) than that. But, you know, the thing that that I loved about her story, and it said in the very beginning of this, the, the quote that we used from the live gathering was, you know, choosing to trust God sometimes can be the most powerful thing that you can do. This is a story for all the moms out there who are trying to control their child's <laughs> outcome of life. It's about letting go and letting God uh, take control of it. But like you said, Robin, it is just a unique story of hearing Zoe talk about the spiritual transformation in her mom's heart and how that affects affected her spiritual walk. It's amazing how our kids see things that we're doing, and it does affect them. It's going to encourage you so much. I can't wait for you to hear it. Yes. And while you're listening to the episode right now, go ahead and take a screenshot of your (laughs) phone and do us a favor. Post it on social media, whether you're on Facebook or Instagram or whatever platform you use. And if you'll tag us at Storytellers Live Podcast, we would love to know that this story spoke to you. And also, you can simply share it over text with a friend so that more women find the hope in Jesus. If you are looking for more of our Storytellers Live stories, coupled with Bible study, personal reflection, prayer prompts, we have the perfect Bible study for you. When God Shows Up, Stories of Freedom is now shipping and available. And y'all, if you're not familiar with this, if you have not done one of our Bible studies before, we actually have two. Now, they're so great. It's eight weeks. You have eight different stories that you listen to, and then you dig deeper, like Lindy was saying, you dig deeper into what God says about this, what God says about freedom, or in our first study, what God says about hope. And you get to spend time each week reflecting, praying, even finding your own story along the way. I know. And one of my favorite things is we've already received such great feedback from the women that are going through it. They are finding the freedom that Jesus Christ longs for them to walk in. You know, so often I think we as Christian women, we love the Lord with all of our heart, but we're not living in the freedom that He's called us to. This Bible study will walk you through what that looks like and also just how you can experience His freedom. So if you're interested in doing the Bible study, you can do it with a small group or you can do it individually. Individually, go to our website, storytellerslive.org, and check it out. 
Hey, I'm Zoe. This is my mom, Kathleen Tenner. And I'm going to give some background and I'm going to be sharing kind of both of our stories together tonight about performance orientation and how we kind of went from control to trust with our performance orientation. But I'll be sharing both stories almost. So I'm going to give like my background and her background too. But I have it kind of right now so I cannot get confused too too. So we both grew up in Mistavia. Um, I grew up dancing really competitively. And then I went to Ole Miss. I was a biology major, and I'm going to med school in Auburn at VCOM in two weeks. <laughs> and my mom's also from Mistavia. She went to Alabama, met my dad there, and then they traveled a lot in their 20s doing music stuff. And then they moved back here in 2000, and they opened SOCA. So performance orientation is striving to perform to others in order to gain their approval. So performance really defined my life growing up a lot because of dance. And with dance, um, I kind of want to explain what that looked like for me. It With BDT is where I danced. And so I was in company there, did a lot of traveling, a lot of competing, solos, groups, and a lot of conventions of training with workshops. And I danced every night of the week. It really consumed your life, but I loved it. I would never change anything. I love it. I still love dance. It's definitely a part of who I am, and I love everything about it. A quote that my mom would always quote is she loves Nick Saban, and he says, control what you can control, which is really her paraphrased version of him saying, worry about the things you can control in your life, both professionally and personally, but we tend to control what you can control. And so all throughout middle school and high school growing up, she really had um, a mentality of wanting me to do the best in everything and not wanting me to be the best, but to do my best in everything possible so that there was no way that we could have done anything better whenever we got the outcome of whatever it was I was doing, dance performance, school, whatever it was. So in dance, this kind of looked like always doing a private lesson, traveling anywhere I needed to travel. Every summer I was never here. I was in Vegas. I was doing two weeks of ballet in Connecticut without my phone. I was doing anything. I was in Seattle. There was We were all over the place traveling, training with whoever we could travel with in just always wanted to be the best and get better at whatever I could do. When I came home, it was, oh, have you stretched tonight? You know, you might want to stretch a little bit. And we're, I'm up against the wall. She's helped me push my leg up to my head and <laughs> pushing my feet down while I'm watching TV. So just kind of anything that we can do to keep working and striving towards our goal, always, always be working, never not be working. Control what we can control. And I always felt with that's where the performance orientation kind of came in. It was never a thing where she said to me, like, if you don't perform, X, Y, Z will happen. If you don't succeed, X, Y, Z will happen. But it was through the constant need to be working and always doing our best that I kind of felt that if I didn't perform, I wouldn't be loved or I wouldn't be enough. And that kind of came through. So we would get off stage. Some moms are like, oh, that was so good. And she's always one that was like, so good. Then later on, she's fixing my hair. And she's like, so on the second count, the second section of that, your leg was in the wrong place. But if you would just, and, and, and she would be like angry with me. She'd be like, I told you to practice that part specifically. And I was like, I did. I don't know what happened. You know, she would be like, the timing on that. And I was like, she just, she had never danced uh, growing up ever. <laughs> Let me say that too. And uh, she would say, by my junior year, she'd be like, the arabesque in the third part. And I was like, how are you, how are you knowing this? But it's because she wanted me to perform and be the best. She just learned everything so that she could help me do what I needed to do to succeed. So then with school was kind of the other part of this. I had all AP classes. In middle school, if I got below 95, I get grounded. Never got grounded. 
Um, I was involved in all kind of leadership things. We were there for life. I was on a committee here. I was a president of this club. I was in every honor society you could be in an honor society for. Uh, I remember on club picture day where they have a picture for all the yearbooks, I had six shirts on because I was in so many clubs, I just would take them off and go to my next picture. And I, it was like, you know, I was always involved in everything. She made me take Latin because we thought that looked good for colleges. There's only four people in the AP Latin class. I would come up every night, like, just crying, translating Latin. I had tear stains on, on my homework. I was turning into my teacher. <laughs> All of this to say kind of my story of what was going on during high school. Then I asked her what her story was, because I feel like it's important to share what she was also doing at this time. That kind of, because the transformation of where how we both were my freshman through junior year versus at the end of my senior year, it was is just so powerful and so different for both of us. And so it's important to say, what she is. This is what, this is her, not me. First, I want to say this first, Philippians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So she said she worked so hard for many years and was unable to say no to anything that she was asked to do. She liked the challenge. She told herself she was running a business, president of the parents club at BDT. She was leading a small group for 20 something. She was on a committee at the school from the fifth grade going to Camp McDowell. She was a team mom to one of my brother, Cole's baseball teams. She was hosting showers and parties. She was the team mom for the school dance team. The list goes on and on. People would say, I don't know how you do it all. And she would just smile and say, I just don't sleep much. I love doing it all. It's no big deal. She used to be so proud of how much she did and how hard she worked. Everyone was happy with her no matter what she did. She had people say, you are so good at this. You have to do it again next year. She was president of our parents club board for three years that was against the bylaws but nobody really cared <laughs> she didn't want to let anybody down she just wanted to be involved in in her in everything she was performing she said i needed approval i needed acceptance i was exhausted it led me to my meltdown seven years ago that started me on a new journey so her dad passed away and after that she kind of had a meltdown being like i'm exhausted she sought some counseling started a year later with transformation ministries um, she was burned out and depressed it led her on her journey and it took her a few years to see the effects of this journey. It wasn't obviously right away, you know, a year out of counseling. I was like, you're so different. It was really not until my senior year that I saw a huge difference. And she began working with this um, ministry through her performance orientation. And so a good verse for this is Galatians 3.3. 3, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? She's also now a counselor at Transformation Ministries, if, if y'all are interested. The problem is not that she was teaching me to perform. It was that she was operating out of a control, a need to be controlling and successful out of her own efforts. She needed to know that she had thought of every possible outcome and chosen the very best option for me to succeed in the best way for me. The major problem with this is that she was not trusting God. She was thinking, what can I do versus what can God do in me and how can I do this with God and trust God through this? So once she began this shift from control to trust in the Lord. I noticed a huge change in her. So during my, this was during my senior year, junior year kind of started. And I think by senior year, I was mature enough to really recognize it and understand what was going on. And having a front row seat to her spiritual growth was the most valuable experience of my entire life. I would never take for granted. The verse that we have for this is Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. She shared with me over and over. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. It really defines a transformation for her as a mom and leader to me. And I was going to share some stories from when I really saw her change the beginning to the end of the school year. So the first thing about this, my senior year, is the beginning of the year, everything, really not the beginning of the year, the beginning of middle school, it, it began the resume. The resume was hanging over us. 
And I'm sure a lot of y'all can relate. A lot of y'all are like looking at your daughters. <laughs> the resume is a big deal. And we wanted everything to be perfect. Like I said earlier about grades wise, all AP, no questions asked. We're getting a 93 and above in every single thing. We're going to do our best. Oh, you're not doing good. Tutor. And she was always setting me up with ways to succeed when I needed it. It wasn't just on my own. It was how can I help you succeed? What can I do to help you? There was volunteer work. I don't know how I had time to do that. ACT tutors in every subject. Professional college counselor to help me pick out schools. We were looking at all these different kinds of schools. You know, I did a personality test. What school would you like? What kind of um, atmosphere do you want? And I, t- I remember telling the lady, I just want to be palm trees. I mean, I wasn't really that serious about it. <laughs> but she was. She really wanted me to just have the best college experience and get to the best place. So it was if it was kind of the mentality of... Um, what can is we don't want there to be turning in a college resume that we could have anything better, just as best as we could. I would we would visit places, essay after essay, y'all get it. And I got scholarships and got into almost every school I applied to. And I applied to some SMU, TCU, and Pepperdine. And then I remember during winter thinking to myself, like, hey, what if I maybe just want to go to Ole Miss and just kind of have a chill kind of college experience because I've not been any level of chill at all during high school. So that that could be fun for me to have a chill experience. But I thought, like, I was like, my mom is never going to go for that. Like, I'm sitting there with this lady that she had hired and she's like going through the mission statement of Pepperdine. And I'm thinking, oh, my mom's not going to like that one. <laughs> if I tell her that. And it was either college or also college at somewhere we had were kind of reaching for like a reach school or the resume was also for maybe Bama Rush which she was Alpha Chi at Bama and there was a slight pressure on me to want to be an Alpha Chi that's kind of sarcastic it was definitely not slight at <laughs> all it's not really a choice so when I was thinking on Miss I was like okay it's not Bama Rush or a school that we've worked so hard to get into but we'll see what happens so by the end of senior year I chose like the last day that you can pick where you're going to college. I told my mom where I wanted to go. By that time, so much we had gone through, I came to her and I knew she would without a doubt have no problem me telling her on this because of what all we had gone through during that year. Uh, She was like, totally agree. I've been praying about it. I think you need a break. And I'm totally on board with that. And just knowing that I could come to her and say that to her, but in the senior year, I was like, wow, I would never Never think that could have happened. Because I remember in the fall, I would have letters coming in, congratulations, full ride to this school. And she'd be like, okay. I was like, all right. Now, I remember showing her and she was like, okay, what about the next one? Did you get one from this school? I was like, but at the end of it, she was like, I'm just so proud. And I was thinking, wow, she would like at the beginning of this year, cannot imagine her saying this. She had said to me one night, I'm not worried or upset at all about your future. I know that God has already taken care of it. And I want to ask your forgiveness for pushing you so hard. And that was really huge. So what changed that made me so comfortable and confident coming to her and saying, I'm cool with going on Miss, if you're cool with it, and knowing that she would be? Well, senior year, she was already going through this process of the performance orientation thing with herself. And I'm not really going to get into what that looked like for her because I just am kind of showing the result of it for myself, what that looked like for me. But she let me quit Rebelettes, which was huge. I could not believe that. I was on Rebelettes freshman, sophomore, junior year, and then I told her, you know, I think that this might be too much to do all with company and everything that I'm doing, and she totally agreed. I remember thinking, that's kind of weird, but at the time, I really hadn't recognized what, what, that, what all she was going through with her healing process of going through the counseling and everything with God. Since I was not doing Rebelettes, I did 
a company with one of the dance conventions called West Coast Dance Explosion. And so what that looks like is every weekend, every other weekend, you're traveling to a different city that the competition goes to. You're uh, just kind of flying around. You go for the weekend. You assist the teachers and you come back. So we spent a lot of time together on flights and driving. And it was a lot of it was really what made us so close and made me see her transformation because um we had a lot of time after the weekend was over to kind of debrief recap everything going on and she would always lead me to trust in god rather than where beforehand it was we need to make a plan about this here's how we're going to make this situation work here's how we're going to control this situation that's going on with whatever it was this is what she said when we were talking through this part she said i was always anxious about zoe at dance is she going to come home tonight upset will she win the award will she get elite When operating out of control issues and performance orientation, out of fear of how it reflected on me, fear of me being rejected, I was competing, manipulating, controlling situations to try and help Zoe because I was operating out of that fear. I had to be willing to go deep and say, okay, God, what is my heart motive? I have a daughter who's a competitive dancer. She loves it. Why do I want her to succeed? Why am I so hard on her about it? So one of the biggest things that really showed the magnitude of the work God had done in her was when she began to trust me. That was huge. Instead of like t- me telling her something and her saying, okay, here's what you need to say to these people. Here's what needs to happen. She would just listen and agree and say, I think, I think, you know, it's, I think, you know, it's right. I think, you know, it's going on and not in like a trust me way. Like where you kind of are saying like, oh, I, I trust you. You have to, you have to earn, gain my trust. I didn't have time on the weekends to go anywhere besides dance. So it wasn't that type of trust. It was her trusting me that I was doing the right thing with God that I, she knew my relationship with God. I was working on that as well. And so she knew that what I was going through or what I was going to do would be led by him. It was not her necessarily trusting me, but trusting God with me. So that was really cool. And I, I realized it through just lots of different things. Like when I looked back, I was like, well, she let me quit Rebel Lutz. Um, There was a, a beforehand, my dance attendance, perfect. My senior year, maybe not perfect. She let me miss a couple of times dance. And she realized, I remember one day she was like, does it really matter if you're at ballet? And I was like, no, it really doesn't. <laughs> and if my valley teacher's listening, I'm kidding. Um, but she trusted me beforehand with my solo. Every, your solo is like the biggest thing to you when you're in high school and you're doing dance. We used to, my junior year, I remember hours in the studio of her being like, you need me to let, come in and watch your solo with you today. We're going to spend a few few hours maybe downstairs or in the studio working on your solo today. Senior year, she didn't see it maybe till a few weeks before I hit the stage and she was just so excited about it and just loved it. And it was very, very few critiques. So that was huge for me. Whenever I had bronchitis, she off, she said, do you want to pull your solo out of the competition? I was like, what? <laughs> Are you crazy? That was, I thought that was the craziest thing because beforehand we entered extra solo competitions so that I could practice doing my solo on stage. Just not because the studio was going, but because we just Googled local competitions that like you do your solo. And a lot of us would go do them just to practice being on stage. So when she let me pull out like one of the bigger competitions of the year, I was thinking I ended up not doing it because I really wanted to, but I shouldn't have. It was bad. So the other main thing is whenever we had a lot of conflicts, which anyone who's done dance or cheer, you know that there's some dance drama, some mom drama, some friend drama, some drama with you and the teacher, whatever's going on. And a lot of times we had to talk it out, obviously. And so all those times that we spent going city to city, we would have plenty of time on our plane or car, like I said earlier, to kind of talk about it. So that was when I really started to see, she was really teaching me through that. So instead of teaching me, I guess, just 
it was just opportunistic teaching, I think is what I'm trying to say. So whenever whatever would happen, she would say, let's trust God with this. Let's pray about it this way. And the biggest thing is that she would lead me to do the forgiveness prayer, um, which is just kind of a prayer written out that says, Lord, I choose to forgive this person. Come in my heart and help me heal this hurt. Um, I turn it over to you. I give a situation to you. And so the answer, whenever I would tell her about, oh, so-and-so said this to me, or my feelings really hurt about this, wasn't, well, you need to work. Instead, maybe they're right. You need to work on this. It was, let's do the forgiveness prayer and forgive them. Have you forgiven them yet? And it was always that first. And through that, I really learned the power of the forgiveness prayer because there were certain girls that she would always be like, forgive, 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 forgive. And I remember one year, at the end of the year, there was one girl I had so much problems with that I remember looking at her and being like, wait, I'm not upset at all. This It really worked. And so that kind of proved to me the power of like God's grace to work in your heart and transform things inside of you. Um, and it wouldn't have, if she hadn't been always saying, forgiveness prayer, let's do it. Come on, let's go. Let's pray about it first. Then I would never have really come to learn about what that looks like and feels like that God can work inside of you. And so the other thing about this is that it wasn't every day she would immediately respond and say, let's pray about it. Obviously, there were many times when she would still get upset or say, I can't believe she would say that to you. Let's let's do this and uh, or overreact at me or get upset with me for not performing well on stage or not practicing like I should have or whatever it was. But that was what was so real to me was getting to see her having progress up and down because it made it so much more genuine to get to see her in her progress, having moments of failure, but then watching her come back from it and saying, she would always come to me and say, I handled that wrong. I should have handled it like this. I should have been trusting God and I wasn't. And I'm sorry. We're going to trust God next time. Will you forgive me? Always, every time. Most spoken thing to each other is, will you forgive me? Today, right before we walked in, she said to me, ask me to forgive you. And I said, will you forgive me? <laughs> and she, she said, yes, I will. <laughs> so that was like the biggest thing for us was the forgiveness. And whenever we had something going on, even if we, well, a lot of times it was maybe a mom and daughter we were both upset with with something that had happened. And so she would say, well, I'm working on forgiving Mrs. So-and-so. Have you worked on forgiving so-and-so? And I'd say, Yes, yes, I have. And she would say, we need to forgive them. That was just kind of always her new thing that she came up with. And we need to trust God with this. So that was really cool. It was also really cool to see the difference in her when she was trusting God versus when she wasn't. This is a difference in how it made her feel and how she acted and how she treated me also um, with each thing that came up. Um, it really showed me what it means to place your trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding of the Proverbs 3 verse. And I knew how hard that was for her because she really believed in her own understanding. Um, and it proved to me <laughs> that choosing to trust God is the most powerful thing anyone can ever do. And it just kind of a fun story to wrap up my senior year stories is every year we go to Vegas and spend like days on end in Vegas for our nationals during summer. And I remember on my last year in Vegas, me and her were leaving and we looked at her in the elevator and I said, we didn't have any drama the whole time. And I was like, let's go. We have that. And we're like rolling our suitcases out. But it was really because we had come to work so much through all of our different conflicts and things through forgiveness and trusting God and just praying through everything that nothing could really shake us at that point because we knew exactly how to handle it or what to do. So I wrote down a couple of the key things that she taught me through the dance travels in the plane and in the car, the most important things. Um, the first is that working hard is important, but God will love me no matter what I do. It wasn't that you don't have to work hard anymore. It was that you have to work hard, but it's way more important that you know that God loves you no matter if you work hard or not or what the outcome is. 
Second thing is that the most important way to overcome your need to perform or your fear of others or your need to control is to know God so that you can trust him. If you don't know him, then you can't trust him. So you do that by spending time with him and learning who he is. And she taught me that it was all about having a relationship with him. That was the most important thing was your relationship with God. That was always the number one thing my senior year that she was teaching me. And I would never have believed that and worked on it for myself if it weren't for watching her own spiritual growth and her incredible release of control. I mean, one of my best friends, Ray, she even said to me like a couple years ago, my first year in college, she was like, your mom is so different. And it's so cool to see that because she was always there with me. And other people have noticed it too. It wasn't just me noticing with her. It was everyone around her could kind of see God working in her, which was so cool for me. There is nothing we could come up with that will be anything close to what God has for us. We can't even imagine how big, how detailed, and how amazing his plans are for us. And there's nothing we can do to mess it up. Romans 8.28 is, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. The last thing, the most important thing, is that none of this would be possible without Jesus. As far as everything goes with God, it wouldn't be possible if Jesus had not come and had not died on the cross and risen for our sins because then we can have a relationship with him and he can live with us and work in our hearts and transform us from the inside out. So none of it would be possible without him. We wouldn't have forgiveness. We wouldn't be able to do the forgiveness prayer. We wouldn't be able to force each other to say, forgive you in the car um, if it weren't for Jesus coming and working in our hearts. It was great to let go of my need to perform and let go of the fear of what happens when I don't because I know God has a huge plan and purpose for my life. It is operating out of trust in the Lord rather than fear of man. And what came from this is my book. So um, I don't know if y'all know, I wrote a book called 51%. And so with this whole um, trusting kind of back and forth thing, as I saw my mom when I was in high school, her when she was trusting God versus not, came my book. And because we had built such a relationship-centered faith for me in my high school, where it wasn't necessarily about community or church, because I didn't really have time to at all when I was in high school, go to church, it really became me and God on a personal relationship. So when I got to college, nothing changed. I think of I've done a lot of speaking about my book and I've met a lot of college girls and I think a lot of times when they lose their community or their home church and they go to college, it's hard for them to get plugged back in with something. But because I never really had that necessarily to begin with a a kind of group or a routine of that, it was just I kept it with me, the personal relationship and the understanding that I had of what it means to trust God. So throughout my college experience, I would see that whenever I was trusting God more, I would be happy and I could go to sleep and just say, I know God's got me where he wants me to be. Well, in the nights when um, I was crying on my pillow, call my mom crying in my car, I'd gone through a long, hard day of choosing not to trust God and to trust anything else. So that kind of opened me up to my 51% idea where if you're trusting God more than you trust anything else, as long as you're trusting God 51% more than anything you trust in the world, then you can have happiness. So I feel like it's sometimes trusting God 100%, nothing else, um, that's when you are in heaven. And... Uh, <laughs> That's what that looks like. (laughs) So I think for me, it was just if you can get that 51% part, then you'll experience joy for the first time, which is no matter what your external looks like on the inside, you have peace, patience, happiness, gentleness, all the fruits of the spirit, you might say. When you are trusting him more than anything else of the world, even if it's just one tiny percent more, he will bless you and give you joy and peace and come and meet you. And that looks different for every single person. 
where my level of that is is not the same as anyone else's level. And it's learning what that is for you and how to do that, what my book is about. So it just kind of talks through prayer, forgiveness, and really just everything that she taught me on all of our flights and trips back and forth um, from dance competitions of how to get to that level of where you are trusting him more than you trust other things in your life. So the first time I heard this story this summer, it was in a live gathering, like we said, and I did not take notes. The second go around, I took some (laughs) mental notes, wrote some things down, because you may not find yourself identifying to everything Mm -hmm. in this story, but guaranteed you find yourself identifying to one thing in this story. Even if you're not a parent, Mm -hmm. finding yourself holding tight control over something, you know, my boys are 16 and almost 14 and my daughter's 12. So I feel like we are right in the thick of this, of asking the sports questions and who did you sit with at lunch and how did this test go? And, you know, and I kept thinking, what's my ulterior motive in this? Exactly. Robin, that's exactly what I was going to say of, you know, Zoe said that her mom never said specifically, oh, you're not enough or, oh, you need to, to do this or that. But it was just how it was inferred and her experience. And um, I've referenced that before. I think even in my story of the questions we ask our kids <laughs> tell What's important to yeah. us? I mean, I've I've shared that when my son was in high school, I, I I didn't say I want you to be the starting pitcher, but on Tuesdays I'd say, so who's pitching this weekend? And so if that was the first question out of my mouth, and so it's just interesting to me that so much of what we do, yeah. our, our kids pick up. And well, speaking of that, <laughs> they pick up what we're doing in our spiritual walk, yes. and if we're one way at church and a different way at home. They pick that up and and that translates into, okay, mom, do you really trust God? Like, I mean, because you're saying one thing on Sunday, but you're doing something different Monday through Saturday. And for me, it was just convicting in that, you know, my kids are seeing what I'm doing in my spiritual walk. They always have been. But also going back to even what you said, Lindy, just relating back to your story, for my story, you know, I, I think God really spoke to me when my son was a senior or junior if you've heard my story, of just that God is writing their testimony. Mm -hmm. I am not. And listen, right now with a 23-year-old, God is writing his testimony. Mm -hmm. I'm not in control. And I think we just have this false illusion that we are as mothers Mm -hmm. or that we need to be. And so I just appreciated the uniqueness of this story with Zoe's viewpoint of what she was thinking as she watched her mother. And you know, Katie, I think one of the most amazing things is that to Zoe, she wasn't carrying all the baggage from early on. She saw her mom's transformation and it so built her own faith Mm -hmm. that she so quickly grabbed onto that. So it's never too late. You know, it's not like, well, my kids are in college. I blew it or my kids are grown. They, you still have relationships with your children where they see change. And that's just so encouraging and hopeful. You know, we mentioned in the beginning that there were questions. And so Full and full transparency, the questions were asked from across the room and around the room, and you could not hear them. And so we are going to tell you a little bit about each mm-hmm. question, and then you're going to hear the answer. And the first one is, Katie, actually think you asked Kathleen, Zoe's mom, about her spiritual transformation. And so here's her answer. No, I really had a meltdown. I had a complete crashing in my life so often, I guess for major change to happen, we kind of have to hit some sort of rock bottom. But my dad had passed away. She was in seventh grade. My dad had passed away. And I had my mom had passed away when I was younger. So that was kind of my, my last parent. And that was really tough. He had Alzheimer's. So I'd been through a couple of really hard years 
doing all the busy stuff, taking care of him and dealing with that. And I think that about nine months or so after he passed away, I just kind of had a, like, a, I can't do all this anymore moment of like, I remember I called my pastor on the phone. I was in my car one day. I pulled up to the office at work and just had a complete meltdown. And I called my pastor and he answered right then and there. And he's like, what's wrong? Is everybody okay? I'm like, everybody's fine. And I just was like, I'm just done. Like, I'm so burned out. Like, I have no joy. I have no peace. And I don't know where that is because I'm a Christian. I pray. I read my Bible. I do all the things. But I was like, I have no joy and no peace. And so where is that? Now, you know, that's what is promised. And it's not happening for me. <laughs> you know, and I'm just crying. He's like, there's this woman at the church I think you should talk to. So I started meeting with this woman at the church who was also involved at the place called Transformation Ministries that Zoe mentioned. And they have classes you can take, a school you can go to up there. To learn all about yourself and about all these different things a lot of it just has to do with sort of different topics that uh, like performance orientation and you take these classes so I started with her and just kind of I mean I guess I was just so like at the point of being done that it just took you know like he just started working and I just started realizing you know who I was and what I was doing and that I really was a complete control freak and at the same time a, a mentoring coach came into the business too we had hired this woman to come in and coach us so it kind of like just went parallel because while in my personal life he was showing me how I had been with my family, then also in in work as well. She was able to pull out and just say, okay, wait, like you're kind of controlling at work. Like people don't love working with you because you're micromanaging everything they do. And, you know, I just thought no one could ever do anything right but me. And if you're, you know, if you're going to want it done right, do it yourself. And so that was just a product of a lot of things for me growing up and hurts that I'd had along the way that God just, once he showed me why I was that way in my life and what beliefs I was living out of about him that weren't true, then I, he just started to heal me as I started to forgive people and uncover that. And it just kind of started to change and sent me on a different way. This next question was so interesting because when I was coaching Zoe on her story, she was telling me how this book came to be. You heard her talk about 51% and not often do you get a book from a 23-year-old that God tells them to write. Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was such a cool God story of how he brought her to this place. So here's her answer, just for anybody curious on how a 23-year-old wrote a book. I had the idea of the book. I'd always thought of the 51% theory my freshman year. And I kind of written it down in my prayer journal. Then junior year, went through a really bad breakup. My mom shows up. My friend emailed my mom because she was on a cruise, couldn't have her phone, and said, you need to go to Oxford. So it's, it's not okay. <laughs> my mom shows up the next day. Immediately says, we just start praying. The second she gets there, she's like, we're just going to pray. Father God, because I was just so, I was just really upset because I've been in a time where junior year, a lot of friend transitions in college. And so I kind of felt like I didn't have any other like real friend group. I felt like I was in between groups. I didn't really have anybody. So I got broken up with out of nowhere, and I was felt really, really alone. So during that time, I realized that on days when I was praying, trusting God, reading my Bible, listening to worship music, those nights I'd go to sleep smiling and thinking, okay, God has me where he's got me. His purpose for my life is bigger than anything else. And I was meditating on God's word and who he is, trusting him those nights, happy, could sleep. On nights where I was watching TikTok, looking for like a, if this is on there for your page, is this for you? Mom, you might not know what that means, but girls... Y'all know what I'm talking about. Or I was on Snap Maps. 
Um, just looking at things or talking to my friend and saying, what do you think? You know, one friend says, oh, well, y'all were never meant to be. And the next friend says, well, I think I'll get back together. And you're like, okay, I'm going to ask her again next time what, what she says. And so in college, it's funny because you can kind of pick and choose who you want to get advice from. You know, if you want to, should I go out or should I study? Well, I'm going to ask the friend who says I'm going to go out, obviously. <laughs> I went, I realized what I was talking about was my own 51% theory. The days where I was trusting God and going through everything, um, worship music first thing in the morning, morning prayer, forgiving people I need to forgive. I went to bed happy. Nothing could shake me. I'm great. On the days where I wasn't and I was thinking, what can I do to make myself look better or feel better? Then I went to bed bawling, crying with my mom, my mom on the phone. So I kind of told her about this and she was like, you should write a book. And I was like, mom, I'm a pre-med major. <laughs> I've, I've read one book ever. <laughs> I don't read. <laughs> and she was like, it's just a good idea. And then I started having dreams about books. I would run into people and they would say stuff to me about books, writing. And I just would think, I was like, I'm just in my head. Like, she's just in my head. I was like, mom, whatever. And so I told her, I'm like, mom, I'm having all these dreams about it. If you really think I should do it, let me know. But I'm so busy. There's no way I'll be able to do this. I'm doing rush team. I'm the house manager. I'm involved in all of this. I have my biochemistry class. Like, there's no way that I could write a book. If everything could just like stop and I would go home and be locked up for a few months, then I'll write a book. But that's never going to happen. A week later, we're in quarantine and my mom's like, well, Zoe, remember what you said about if you were just locked in the house? I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But I still I still didn't. I still was like, well, I, I still have the MCAT to study for. I'm not I'm not just not busy, obviously. And so a few weeks later, we went to church. This is before everything was like closed down. And we had a guy come in. He was just speaking about prophecy. And he pointed me out of our church crowd and said, I have a vision of you riding. My mom's like elbowing me so hard. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, no. <laughs> I get home, whip my laptop out. I was like, so sorry, God. Um, I'm on it right now. <laughs> and so during quarantine, I started writing the book. She helped me with it. I just wrote it like I was talking to my friends. It's very casually written. <laughs> like I've just thought of my friends who I love. And I was like, you know what? I really want all my friends to know what I know because they see me as someone who's normal and just like them and not someone who's any sort of Christian mentor or teacher or there's some sort of identity that I have that makes me able to talk about this. They just see me as normal. So I think if my friends heard this from me as my perspective, as if I was just telling them in conversation, like we're at lunch, then it would be really great for everyone. And then it just kind of we met with people who just happened to know stuff about publishing books. Someone came to me and was like, oh, I do book covers. I'm like, of course you do. That's great. <laughs> you know, my mom's like, oh, I met with somebody who can help you with this. Great. Okay. And it just all kind of came together. The next question that was asked at the live gathering was um, actually, you know, we had so many middle school and early high school girls at the live gathering. It was great with their moms. And one of the girls asked Zoe, what, what did she have to say about changes or shifts in friendships, which we know happens for sure. For sure. But here's how Zoe addressed that. Well, I think a big part of like friendship, friendship shifts, especially when you're younger, a lot of it you go through with your mom. And I know for us, the big thing that shifted for me from in middle school that was hard for me was the second I told her what happened, immediately I was met with advice and here's what you need to do, here's what needs to happen. Rather than just listening and saying, okay, and asking a few more questions. And I think everyone can kind of relate to that. But a lot of times as like a younger girl, I just wanted my mom to just listen and just be upset with me. You know, when you go to somebody and you kind of rant to them and then they're like, well, here's what you need to do. And you're like, just 
just just let me write to you. And now she's now she's a lot better at that. Some sometimes, but but I, but I will have to. I'll tell her. I'll say this is not an advice thing. This is just a listen thing. But I think as her listening to me and it made me trust her that she wasn't judging me because almost when you're younger and you tell your mom something and she tells you, well, here's what you could have done differently. Here's how you could have handled it better. Here's what you could have done to make this situation go away. It almost feels as though you're being kind of judged and that you're doing the wrong thing. She's saying you're in the wrong or um, whatever. So it's more of like her listening and then us kind of praying through it and saying, here's how we can trust God with this. You need to forgive, whatever. I mean, I think a lot of, um, a lot of performance stuff comes out of rejection that we go through in our lives. And so that's what middle school is unfortunately all about for these kids, you know, is rejection. So I think the more I've learned about rejection, the more I, and, and how it affects us, I think about back to what she went through too. And I just think they're going to encounter it. And so the hard thing is, is when we're still operating out of rejection that's happened in our lives as parents, and then our kids feel that, we feel it too. Because the reason we feel it so much for them, and it's so hard that it upsets us that we can't sleep and we're sick to our stomach when they're going through it. And we just, you know, believe me, like we're just, oh, it's still hard for me. But when you have all those emotions that come to the surface, they're almost just like your own. It's usually because it's tied back to things that happen in your life and it's bringing it up again, which makes it hard for you to to separate a little bit and give them advice. Not only the fact that I was always worried that how she was reflected on me, which is another you know thing that we go through as parents, you know, trying to learn the balance of how does that it really shouldn't reflect on me. They have to learn and grow. I think helping them deal with that. I used to say to her, well, what did you do in this situation? I think the worst thing I did was I always like went to like, well, what did you do wrong? Why are they upset with you? And that probably was, you know, that was just out of the performance thing of like, well, why didn't you perform? Why weren't you doing the right thing? How did you treat her? Um, and sometimes kids are just mean and your kid didn't do anything wrong. So I think that if you, you know, I think I wish I had been more comforting to her because one thing I've learned uh, through counseling is that the role of the Holy Spirit is much like the role of the mother, and it's to nurture and to comfort. That is the Holy Spirit's role, and that's the role God gives us in the family. So I wish I had nurtured and comforted more than I did for her. You know, finally, the the last question that was asked was asked by a young girl again, and I just thought the answer was so good. She asked Zoe, when you were going through the loneliness that you walked through, how did you get through it? And Zoe, again, was so wise in her words. Here's what she said. I really had to trust God every day, and I learned what that looks like. So now that I've written a book about trusting God, a lot of people ask me, what does that even mean? And especially when I wrote sat to write that down, I was like, wait, what does that mean to trust God? <laughs> what am I going to write about? I mean, I know what it looks like. My mom has kind of taught me it. But what I've learned is that you really can't trust someone that you don't know. And so whenever you met your best friend and the first day you met them, you didn't immediately trust them. It was through you tell them something, they remember it, they keep the secret for you, they help you out the next time it comes around, they say, oh, here's, I remember you tell me this, um, can I help you with this instead? And so it's just through lots of times where they trust, you trust them with small things that lead up and then you know you can trust them with everything. And so I say that to say it's the same way with God. You can't necessarily just start trusting him if you've never trusted him with anything or never prayed or gotten to know him at all. And so getting to know God was really what I did during that time. And it was just through multiple things. I would look up, I would watch a sermon or if I was feeling down, I would just choose to do that instead of watch a movie or I would just kind of 
try to find time, I call it one-on-ones, like on The Bachelor. I would say, I'm going to have a one-on-one with God today. And um, I would just spend time with him in different ways that I could. And so it was through learning who he is. And the more that I learned about scripture and um, his word and different Bible stories, I guess, which all kind of sounds like something that you just kind of do because you feel like you have to. But after I did all that, I would learn more about who God was. And the more you learn about who God is, the more you learn that you can trust him because he's always going to come through for you and help you. And he just wants to see you succeed and just wants to get you to your purpose that he has for you. Mm -hmm. And so really, whenever I was in a season of like loneliness and um, wasn't sure what to do, that's really just an opportunity for me to say, okay, I have time by myself. I'm going to have a one-on-one right now. And whenever I was spending time with God every single night, those nights I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel lonely. I would say I feel closer than ever. I feel less than I've ever felt before because I know that God's got my back and has me where he needs me to be. And then sometimes through that, I would be having moments of praying whenever, and then I'd have a friend reach out to me and text me and be like, hey, it's so-and-so, you know, and I would always like, that was totally God right there in that moment with that. Or someone would call me and talk to me on the phone that I hadn't talked to in a while, and it was always kind of I would just pray and tell God what I was going through, what feelings I was feeling, and then somehow it would all kind of work out that, he placed me with the right people at the right time and it was the right time for me too so like the tying everything with my with forming my new friend group who like I have the best friends now that all the timing was just so perfect but if I hadn't just waited and sat and said God show me where I'm supposed to be who I'm supposed to be around what you want me to do and just took those times where I was by myself to study and learn and know him then it I would have forced it rushed it it probably wouldn't have worked out but because I was waiting and saying I'm going to choose to spend time with God today, and it would always make me feel better. I'd always feel just relieved, a weight off my shoulders after that, that um, I would kind of, in the waiting for it just worked out perfectly. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the questions and answers. I know that we got so much out of it while we were there that night. I did want to let you guys know that in anticipation of our 200th episode coming up, we are still giving you a taste of Patreon every Thursday in your podcast feed. And I am so excited that this Thursday, you are going to get a dig deeper audio devotion with me titled Breaking Free from the Performance Trap. And it is really all about how often, you know, when we have a performance orientation attitude that we translate that into our spiritual walk with God and we believe we need to perform for Him. I learned so much as I researched it. I hope that you enjoy it as well. And I'm so thrilled that you guys are able to get a taste of Patreon this month. So thank you so much for listening and we cannot wait to talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.